Welcome to Iteration, a weekly podcast about programming, development, and design through the lens of amazing books, chapter by chapter. My name is John, and I am joined by JP. Hey, JP. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Today is officially the second day of the year. And, That's right. Uh, yeah. Wow. So it's been a while since we've recorded, I think. Did we record before or after the holidays? We had two weeks off for the holidays, right, which is right, like, right. come on, two weeks. That's not that's not too bad. But I think in real time, you'll probably be hearing this around February 1st. And in real time, we took like three weeks off because of holidays. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So how was, uh, how was your holiday vacation? Did you, was, were you, were you able to step away from the computer for three consecutive days? I think is what I was. Said. Yeah. That was my big goal. And I did over Christmas was three solid days. Didn't touch code beyond like reading some articles and whatever I actually found interesting. Even for the New Year's, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, I didn't really write any code. I focused more on some kind of internal business goals and it was really good like reassessment of 2018 and planning 2019 for kind of the agency and where I'm taking things and what technologies I want to be using. It's been really good. What about you and your holidays? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to do the same sort of towards the beginning of the holiday break because open listings was like soft closed for the week of Christmas up until today. Actually, today's like my first day back at work. So in about an hour and a half, I will be leaving to work. Yeah, we're recording in the morning, which is really different. It's kind of fun. I like it. It's got a different vibe. Yeah, I like that. It's like the first thing you do, you just uh, not that you just like knock it out because it's like a, a task, but it's like just opens up the rest of your day. Plus, there's like there's been many times where it's like, oh, hey, I'm super tired or oh, hey, I'm, I'm yeah, still at work. Yeah, canceling last minute. <laughs> yeah, like because <laughs> our days get out of control. Yeah, yeah, totally. But towards the beginning of my holiday break, I was like still kind of in work mode and it took me a couple of days to like finally unwind. So I will say though that maybe like that first day, it was like Christmas Eve, I was able to get so much work done because there were just little to no distractions, no meetings, no stand-up meetings, no coworkers, no family stuff. It was just like me and my computer and I was able to knock out like a bunch of stuff. Finally wrote some tests for some things that needed test coverage. That being said, finally, like towards the end, like yesterday and the couple days before that, I was able to like really step away from the computer. Still wrote like a couple lines of code for like my own personal things or just like, you know, reading to keep myself sharp. Um, But I was able to finally like step away from the computer and do things other than than programming, which is fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool because going back to code, like, because I worked uh, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday after Christmas kind of a thing. It was just like so productive because like everybody was kind of sleepy and clients weren't around and it was just super, super productive. And literally, I think there was three PRs that sat for over two months that finally got merged to master. And it was like such a nice time to deploy because like the site usage is down. It was just like a dream to get those all those PRs closed that have been just been open for so long and just like such deep work got done. And it really made me realize like one of my goals going into 2019 is to work less hours, but with a lot more focus. And it made me realize how much that is so the right choice because when I do take those times to just totally turn off the outside world, like turn on do not disturb or, or even turn off Wi-Fi, God, for, God forbid, you know, like disconnect from the internet and actually dig deep into code, how much you can get done and so much more when you really focus on a single problem. So I'm really excited about that going to 2019. It was just so productive and also like family time and good food and probably gain 10 pounds and yada, yada, yada with everything that goes with holidays, which is good. Yeah, totally cool. Do you have any like 2019 New Year's resolutions? Maybe those should be our picks or maybe we Ooh, can just- Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, or maybe we'll we use our pick times for resolutions. No, I cool. like that. Let's, let's leave it to the end. That'll be our cliffhanger. Sweet. So 
Yeah, I, I'm excited to jump into this chapter. It's pretty straightforward. So we are still working through Sandy Metz's practical object-oriented design in Ruby, Pooter. We're on chapter seven, which is all about sharing role behavior with modules. The last episode we talked about inheritance, which was kind of an extension of the previous episode about duct typing, and basically sharing code behavior through automatic message delegation. It's kind of what we're talking about here. I'm not sure where the best point is to jump in. What do you think, JP? Yeah. Okay. So just as a refresher, last chapter was all about like classical inheritance. This chapter is all about modules. So, you know, for those Rubyists out there, the difference in syntax is like, you know, when you create a class, this is super basic, you know, you use the class definition or the class keyword. And when you use a module, you use the module keyword, but the usage is just ever so slightly different. So like if you want to inherit from a class, you would use like the angled bracket. So like class dog angle bracket animal or something like that, you know, so dog inherits from animal. However, when you want to do something with like a module, you would like include that in the class. So it would be like class dog. And if you had like an animal module, it would be like includes include animal. So that's just sort of, you know, just get that out of the way for those people that may or may not be familiar with that in Ruby land, at least. I'm sure there's this, the similar paradigms in other programming languages. But yeah, so maybe just as like a recap, the last chapter we talked about these three types of bicycles and how we use inheritance to solve these problems. And basically like the TLDL, too long didn't listen, is that like you have a root bicycle and then you have these two two subclasses of it. You have a road bike and you have a mountain bike. And the big takeaway was that like once you establish a superclass, the root bicycle, you never want to have instances of that class. So that superclass is basically just there to have like all of the base functionality that all of its children will have, all of the sub bicycles will have. So like your road bike and your mountain bike. But when you like create these objects, you would only ever have like new instances of a road bike, of a mountain bike, of whatever specialized bicycle you have. Right, so that higher order class is only managing behavior that's shared across all of its lower order type of classes. Yeah, totally. And so I have this quote here that I think is a pretty good, pretty good way to start this chapter off. And it's it sort of like drops a bomb on you. It's this, it's quote, use of classical inheritance is always optional. Every problem it solves can be solved another way. This chapter explores an alternative that uses the techniques of inheritance to share a role. So like you don't always have to inherit there's always like in this, you know, this example I've been talking about of like dog and animal, like you don't always have to inherit from an animal. So Sandy poses this question of like, okay, so in the previous chapter, we had our root bike, we had our road bike, and we had our mountain bike. And then we eventually had a recumbent bike, which we which we were able to make really easily because we had this super class. But what if we wanted to make a recumbent road bike? Or what if we wanted to make a road mountain bike? Or what if we wanted to make a mountain recumbent bike, right? So it's like, what, what do you inherit from? And we talked about how Ruby doesn't have a mechanism for you to inherit from multiple classes. And I think that's a great thing because then you start you start asking yourselves like, well, then what message gets passed if- To where, right? We talked right. through the complexities about having multiple parents to a class. Yeah. So if I wanted a recumbent mountain bike, how would I do this? And you know, Obviously, the answer because of the chapter is like sharing role behavior with modules. The answer is we would use modules. But before we talk about like that implementation, we have to understand this idea of like what role is being played. And we touched up on this a little bit when we talked about duct typing. So when we talked about the idea of like a mechanic and the idea was like the role was like 
a prepare. So something prepares a trip. And so the mechanic was part of that. Mechanic was a prepare. I forget what the other roles were that also played a role in preparing this object for a bike to be ready for a trip. But that's a long way of saying that. The bicycles prepared themselves. So every every right, object right, right. within the organization each could be a preparer for that thing. So every single object with that needed to get ready for a trip could all become a preparer for the sake of that duct tape of getting ready for a trip. So right, right. whether they're a tour guide or a tour coordinator or all these different roles within that, they could all be a preparer to get ready for an upcoming trip. Yeah, through the through the duct tape. Right. Oh, right. I have I have some notes here, some other objects besides the mechanic. Drivers were also prepared. Drivers, yeah, yeah that was one. There we go. Cool. Yeah, so, okay, so I said some problems require sharing behavior among otherwise unrelated objects. The behavior is orthogonal to the class. It's a role of the object plays. Yeah, so this is exactly what we're talking about. We have this idea of repair, and Sandy also, like, poses this idea that there's another hidden role within this inherently, like, naturally. If you have a preparer type, then there's also something that's being prepared, the preparable. So what are they preparing? They are preparing the trip. And so like understanding these different roles that are being played with the objects that are talking to each other is pretty important to understanding how you eventually use modules to share behavior. Yeah, and I think the hardest part about coming up with like using modules, I think the hardest part here is discovering that right type, that right duct type that makes sense. Or the way that you said it, which I think is really accurate is the right role that something needs to play. And that's a really good way to think about modules. It's like, what role does this need to share across different things? And Sandy gives this example that I really like. When you need to combine the qualities of two existing subclasses, something that inheritance can't really accommodate, that's the time to pick up a module. So that's why we're saying like the idea of a recumbent mountain bike, because it has the qualities of a recumbent bike and it also has like shocks. So it's like, not only does it have, you know, two wheels that, and a layback seat and these different attributes, but it also has shocks. So it's like, oh, well, that's weird because it's kind of like a road bike, recumbent bike, but it has shocks and tires. So like, these are two things that it, it needs to share these qualities of being a mountain bike. So it has a role of a mountain bike, but also a role of a recumbent bike. I think her example is a little bit contrived as far as like sharing the like the bicycle types i'm not sure if i would use that because that almost feels like you need a more generic higher order type and use inheritance to solve that in my mind and it's like it just has to be less dry inherently because you have shared code in that example but she starts moving toward this new role and that's why it's so important to find the new role within the platform that you need to use and she discovers this schedulable duct type this role of something that can be scheduled so she talks through the problem that this platform is having of trying to schedule schedule things for upcoming trips. So we've talked a little bit about this with like the preparers and can prepare, but this is a little bit different of wanting to know whether or not upcoming resources, whether they be a mechanic or a driver or a bicycle or food, whether it's available on the upcoming schedule. So they want someone who wants to book a trip to be able to see, oh, what bikes and trips and routes are available within the upcoming schedule. And so initially the code example that she shows is a lot of redundant code that looks to see if a bike's scheduled, looks at the schedule objects, and then 
tries to just hack this all together and it works and it's fine. But what we discover is that each of these items that we need to find out if they have availability or we want to block out something that's booked against them, they all share the kind of same idea. There's this duct type here of a thing that is schedulable and can be on a schedule. And so it can be queried accordingly, like, you know, is this bicycle available? And so that available method or booked method can be shared across different types of items. But at the same time, it's not inheriting from a schedulable because like the global logic of the whole system, you don't want it to inherit from this global class order of, of schedulable. So it makes a lot more sense to introduce this module because it's shared code between a lot of unrelated classes in any other way. The only role they share is the schedulable role. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I think she like really hit the nail on the head with how she like sort of predicts like the direction that t people tend to go when when doing these things is like, oh, OK, well, I need like a schedule object. And um, this is actually an anti pattern. So, for example, let's say we have all these bicycle objects and then it's like, oh, well, I need like a like a schedule object. So I'm just going to make a schedule class. And then the schedule class is going to have a scheduled method, which is going to return a Boolean. And then I could just inherit from scheduled, but then it's like, oh wait, no, I can't because all these other bikes are inheriting. So is it like, so is it like, the, does the super class, does the root bike inherit from schedule? But then that doesn't, but then that doesn't make sense either because then it's like, you know, this weird hierarchy of things where the root bike doesn't necessarily need to inherit from it, but mm -hmm. like all the children need that functionality. Well, and also we have drivers, we have tour guides, we have right. all these other things. It basically would be everything on our platform would be inheriting from the scheduled or schedulable type of class of some kind. And it just, it breaks down really, really quickly. And so honestly, in the past for myself, I've reached for things like a service object, so like a plain old Ruby object, just to try to solve this type of nuance. But all the time with, with that type of behavior, you're constantly instantiating this new service object and passing things in and out of this service object. And it is a solution. At least you're trying to delegate the code and provide an interface to it. But I think in this case, using modules is so much more elegant and clear and makes way, way, way more sense, especially the way that this all breaks down. And so we'll try to walk through the example of kind of modifying this code to be able to have items to be able to be schedulable. So, you know, whether it be a bike or a driver or a recumbent bike or a mountain bike, they all have the ability to be like, to just query with like a predicate method, a question of just like available and pass in dates. Like, is it available across these dates? And the, or uh, something that updates the schedule of, you know, book item or book self and pass in dates for when you want to book it to block off availability to it. So how does this break down? How do we start to, once we've discovered the schedulable duct type, which we've got this great kind of noun that we're going to call this thing of schedulable, how, where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. So the problem is, is that bicycle is a, the role is like, it needs to be like a schedulable type, right? And so we have a bicycle, but you know, other things need to have this idea of like being a schedulable or being, or fulfilling that role of being a schedulable object. So we start off with making a module because, you know, we can write modular code that include, that we can include in all these different objects that need to fulfill this role or, or need to satisfy this idea of being a schedulable. So I'm not going to bore you through the process of reading code out loud line by line, but imagine we had a module that was called schedulable and it had a method on it that returns a Boolean and this method is called schedulable. 
So every time I include this in an object like bicycle, every instance of bicycle I can call schedulable and I can return a Boolean based on some given arguments. And so maybe not just bicycle, but maybe also a driver or mechanic or as it, actually that doesn't make sense for schedulable. What else would need to be like something that's schedulable? Maybe like a trip. Yeah, I think, I th- well, maybe the car, like the van that gets scheduled for the trip. And I think a mechanic could even be scheduled for a trip. Like they have availability oh, that right, right, only right. has limited availability. I think everything in this example has the ability to be scheduled, to be honest. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, th- and that's right because like everything is schedulable. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like a mechanic, you would need like to know the mechanic's availability. And then you can query like, hey, is this, th- is this mechanic available? And then is the bike available? Yeah, so that's a very interesting thing, right? So all of these different objects, even though they are fundamentally different, might need to share the same behavior through the same interface. And so this is like all what we're talking about. Absolutely. From there, basically, I mean, how this breaks down actually in practice in code is basically creating a new class is ultimately what it is. But this module is, we talked about the syntax a little bit, which we're not going to talk too much about the syntax. But basically... You have a single place for all of your schedulable code that can accept a self of an object and you're expecting what it can accept. And then from there, you can start writing out your methods of what those things look like. So it's like you can write out the available method or book this or blocked or blackout day or whatever you want to define within those different methods. And then from there, you include the schedulable module into your other classes that want to use this. And then basically when you call available on a bike, it's going to reach because it's going to go like, oh, the bike's going to go, hey, I don't know what available is. I don't have this. So through this magic of this automatic message delegation is all we're talking about. The idea that it's going to pass that message up to something else that makes sense. It's going to be like, hey, dad, bike, do you have any idea where, because you know this this type of bicycle, the road bike is inheriting from the higher order of bike. It's going to be like, hey, my dad of, of or my dad or mom of, of bike, do you know what available is? And bike's going to be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And so then it's going to be like, oh, I have a module. I'm going to pass this to the module and see what the module says. And the module says, oh, yep, I know how to handle available. And I'm going to process that here in this shared code because I understand this behavior and I can share it across all the different code. And actually, that order wasn't exactly correct. I think it actually asked the modules first, and then it will go to its higher order class. I might be incorrect on that. I think it goes reverse order of how they're included, right? I think it looks the module first. Wow, I really should know this. <laughs> I think it does. Yeah, it looks at the module first. Basically, the, the one on the bottom of the list will be looked at first, and it goes up the list all the way to the class. I'm pretty sure that that's right. how it works. Right, I'm right, fairly right, confident. Right. Yeah, but and it's actually important to know for debugging because if you have an available method within your other modules included after it like this is a nuance to it but it's something to keep in mind of where i'm calling this method from and where this code lives because it can get a little bit tricky to debug certain things when you are kind of deep in a module it's like oh where is this code being called from i'm using my bicycle object but i'm kind of interacting with a schedulable type so you need to think about how you're using that and make sure that you know you're keeping things dry and keeping things within this single logic of this log I'm sorry not logable in the schedulable type I have a note further down in the schedulable type of what can be on the schedule and what can't be on the schedule so that's kind of how it breaks down in practice it's basically writing methods and it automatically passages them accordingly yeah and so a lot of this comes with not caveats per se, but little like warnings. And I think this little confusion of like the lookup order is a perfect example of that. So like 
imagine we have this really complex, huge application and we have subclasses on subclasses on subclasses and these subclasses all include different modules and maybe those modules include other modules. And it's, it's very easy to write code that's very hard to follow. And so obviously when you have the power to include all of these modules and to inherit from all these classes and share different behavior, and use duct typing to have the same methods. You know, you might be calling a method and and not exactly knowing at what point it's being called because you have this crazy, crazy, crazy structure. And so, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, obviously. But it's important to know, like, how, like it's important to know how to design well and how to use inheritance and how to uh, share roles well so that you don't fall into these traps of, like, making these crazy, crazy hierarchies of classes and objects and then calling like dot available and not knowing exactly where dot available is being called. Yeah. I wanted to walk through an example, which is where my confusion came from earlier of the way that we used this in a production project. We had this uh, request that everything on the platform, like a lot of main users activity have a log. So you can kind of go to a particular users uh, from the admin interface and kind of see a log of their important activity. And in the, in the beginning, I wanted to just kind of use some type of server because there's a lot of these like extensions on Heroku and other platforms where you can get like these really rich queryable server logs and then you can just ping it at any time with an API and kind of see the most recent activity and you can filter it and provide an interface to it and like I started going down this road a little bit and realized it was like way too noisy there was some security stuff I didn't want to think through and some other ways and so what we actually came up with is this idea of a single object of a log and a module called loggable so that we can whenever we want to we can simply call log on that specific class and we can add some different metadata to it and it creates a log object for that item but there's a single method and a single interface to this idea of a log so we can know whether a log exists for a particular item we can create a log for a particular item and it's all through a single shared interface of this lo loggable module which i think was a really elegant way to approach this and so it's as simple as literally like message.send and then message.log with any metadata you want for that message. And that log method actually belongs to the loggable module and has all that logic for creating logs, managing the logs interface, querying it. And then we have this really, really clear interface that it's its own model viewing controller of this log object. So it's user slash logs. And you see all those different logs for that user can query them based on their type and, and everything there. And so this log kind of becomes this, in a way, this very shared object that lets you know exactly what happened in what ways. And I think this is really elegant for a few reasons because it delegates all the code to the module. And at the same time, we only call it when it's really important, like whether or not someone updated their data or whether or not somebody received a particular email. And it's not every single time they get an email. It's not every single time they do any update to their information, only things that are relevant enough to log. And it was just so painless to integrate it this way because initially we had this like log method in all of our different classes that was creating this log object and it was way not dry and it was totally the wrong direction. But modules is a really good time when you have this very clear kind of role that things need to play. So the schedulable is a perfect one. I think this loggable example is another really good example of this time where an object needs to play this kind of different role and it's shared across different types of objects.
Yeah, totally. And I think even though you had all these objects that that shared this same method, I mean, that's like duct typing essentially, right? Like they all had this like log object. So I think it's cool that initially you had that because you were able to like unearth the duct type and then mm -hmm. understand exactly what you need. Because I think oftentimes when you reach, I, I guess I'm speaking for myself here, but like if you reach for a module and you decide like, oh, I'm going to share all this behavior. So I'm going to create a module and just include it. Oftentimes it's kind of weird because I'll like make a module and then I'll include it only in one class and then it's like well then what what was the point of of having that if it's only in one class and if it's only specific to that class I guess that I get I don't know maybe that's another conversation of like maybe my class is getting too long and I need to like include a set of helper methods mm -hmm. yeah, um, and there's a use case for that yeah, which in a way certainly. is a module extension but I think you're right that I, I think what you're getting to and the way I've found using modules, I use them when it's painful and it's like, this is a solution to a problem. It's not, in my mind, it's not a good way to start a design. Uh, to me, it's something you want to start reaching for when you're starting to realize, oh, I have very similar methods across a few different objects. What's the noun here? What's the role that these need to share? And then you can start including it. And I think that's the better way to go. And I would rather have three or four classes have a shared method for a little while. That's okay. You can always continue to iterate over the code and make it better. And then once you realize, once that fourth object is using, you're writing that same method out for the fourth object, it's like, okay, this is time to split this into a module and start defining what that role looks like. But I think it's really important because I've used modules in the past and been sloppy about what the include is, like what I'm calling it. And it gets yeah. really tricky really quick of like where this code comes from and I don't have that good name. I think it's important to define that role first and have a need for that role before you go reaching for modules and including them in that way. Totally, yeah. And I think one, one pitfall of not understanding what the what the role is beforehand is you know you might have four or five methods in your module and then you include them but like the the classes that you include them on might only be using like one or two you know they might not be able to respond to all five and that's bad like they should whenever you include a module the objects that share that behavior should be able to call all of those methods and so I have a quote here and I have it surrounded by siren emojis because I thought it was pretty important as like the big takeaway. So if 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 you are on your drive and zoned out for the last 20 or so odd minutes, this is the time to be paying attention because I think this is like <laughs> kind of important um, for this chapter. So the quote is, all the code in an abstract superclass should apply to every class that inherits it. Okay, so we know that. Superclasses should not contain code that applies to some, but not all subclasses. Okay, so this restriction also applies to modules. The code in a module must apply to all who use it. So, and, and, and that's exactly what we've been talking about, right? So like if I have a math module and I include that in, I don't know, in like some shape class, like every, every instance of that shape better be able to call all of those methods that I'm including in that math module. Yeah. And so I think, I don't know, that's like pretty much all I had for this chapter. I think, I think we've talked about a good amount of sharing yeah. behavior and the differences between inheritance. And I guess in the next chapter, we're going to be talking about composition. But this was all about how you can share behavior amongst your objects, whether it's through modules or whether it's through subclasses um, and the importance of understanding like the idea is that your superclass and your module should just share all this behavior and everything that includes it should be able to call the messages 
from those super and super classes and from those modules. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. What do you have any 2019 resolutions and goals, Mr. JP? Yeah. Um, so my, my goal for 2019, this is a little different than usual because usually my, I just have like a set of programming goals, but this year for 2019, my goal is to get better at math which is sort of related to like the practice of computer science and like software engineering in general. But I want to get better at like from like algebra all the way up to calculus and then also maybe some like linear algebra or something like that. But like I just feel like having a better understanding of like algebra and geometry and trigonometry ultimately in the future will be able to like it will help me as a computer science uh, a computer scientist. I don't know. I think it's just part of like honing your craft and staying sharp. Not only that, but I think math is, is kind of fun. I was like doing some basic algebra yesterday and it, it, it like satisfies that, that part of that, like that thirst my brain has for solving problems. And it's like, it's kind of nice to step away from like a computer and just like do some basic math, you know? Yeah, no, I'm into that. That makes a ton of sense. Awesome. I've got a couple that are like smaller ones. Like I really want to look into Vue.js this year. I'm like mm -hmm. really wanting to dig into like build something in Vue. I've like done a couple tutorials and like the more I see it, the more I like it and the more it's growing. So I'm excited about that. I really want to improve my posture. So I was like Ooh, looking at ways like how to have better posture. I have terrible posture. I mentioned briefly that I really want to work on having a lot more deeper focus. So I'll do this thing where like I have a project that needs to get done and I'll like sit on the couch and turn on Netflix and like code with it in the background. But ultimately like it's diluted and I should just sleep and then wake up a little bit earlier and do it with more focus. And like something that would take me four hours while I'm watching Netflix, I can knock out in 40 minutes with real focus. And like I do this half work thing, which is a terrible habit. Because then you end up working like this 55 hour work week, but like 10 of those hours of this like stressed out, like half work trying to like do it late at night. It's so bad. And then my last one is I want to actually pick up some physical books and like switch from Kindle to actually reading physical books just to get away from screens and like have something to reference more quickly. Like it's hard to go back into Kindle books and like, like I was wanting to reference this book actually, Practical Object Oriented Design Ruby. Like it was such a pain in the ass, like open the Kindle app and like remember what to search for. And it'd be so easy to like, I remember it was toward the beginning. I could have found it so quick. So that's like a couple that I've got. I've got some other personal goals, but those are kind of my ones that are more focused on code and stuff. I take New Year's resolutions pretty seriously, but like I do them quarterly. So it's like I do it here in January. I do it in April. So it's like just part of a continuing thing that I try to do because a lot of people harsh on New Year's. It's like, don't harsh my vibe, man. If you like New Year's resolutions, do it. If you don't, great. I'm, I'm not, there's no judgment. But yeah, I totally. will say this is releasing like February-ish, end of January. So if you have a New Year's resolution you haven't been focusing on, let this be your little reminder. Assess for a second. <laughs> is it worth giving up? Hey, if it's worth giving up, you committed to something you shouldn't have, give it up. But if not, like, hey, let's get back to it. Come on. Yeah, I, I, I take I take uh, New Year's resolutions somewhat seriously too. I try to only make goals that are not only attainable, but are also like actually realistic with myself. Mm. And actually I have a couple of notes of like, I don't know, I have like a North Star, like they're not necessarily resolutions so much as they are as like my personal like mantra for things. And so, so one of my like, you know, one of my goals or one of my things that I want to start doing more of is I want to 
one of my things says like don't start things you won't finish so it's like mm. you know there's all these new shiny things like oh i want to pick up swift or i want to pick up blah 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 blah. Sure. i want to learn this i want to learn that i want to get better at this it's like if like for me it's like hey don't do that unless you know for a fact you're going to stick with it because in in the world of technology where things are moving very quickly it's very easy to be like oh hey elixir is really cool because of all of its concurrency and so i'll like buy four books and get 20 pages deep <laughs> each in all of them and like hit get a very shallow understanding of it and then you know things happen work gets crazy yeah. um i have to do another thing i have to like learn another technology for work mm-hmm. which takes me away from this so it's like um I, it's very important to have like very attainable and focused goals that you can actually do otherwise it's like oh hey another year passed mm-hmm. where i made some goals at the beginning of the year that i like totally forgot about by february yeah uh, yeah. An extension of that is something I failed last year on. So like in 2017, I just like crushed like eight goals and I did so good. So then 20, no, 2017. Yeah. So 2018, I like really doubled down. I set like all these goals that were measurable. But the problem is, is I set goals that I didn't fully control. Like I set, I set income goals, which is a good thing to have like a guide of what you want to do. But ultimately, like no matter how much I work and what I do, I can't necessarily make the universe give me more clients that give me more money. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's a bad goal because I don't control all of the inputs to its output. So I really focused on this year, like creating goals that I fully control the inputs and the outputs. Like I can improve my posture. That's something I fully control. Like I'm not dependent on luck or some other external input to do that thing. It's like, even with a goal, like losing weight for some people, it's like you can set a goal of losing 20 pounds, but like you might have some physical restrictions to that. Like there might be some medical issues, like maybe your thyroid's off and you actually like can't drop the weight, but you can get healthy and you can go to the gym twice a week. And so like, just a reminder, like set goals that you control the inputs and outputs. Cause I got like pretty bummed at the end of this year, realizing I only hit like maybe half of my goals or so, which is still great. If I set no goals, like I wouldn't have gotten those things done. But at the same time, like I was like, Oh, I fell short of this. I fell short of this. I fell short of this. But the more I thought about the goals, I thought, wow, like I really didn't control the outcomes and I really did all the inputs. So like that was a success in a way, even though I didn't necessarily hit that exact metric, which is kind of an interesting takeaway. I do have a pick for today as well as resolutions, which is like a really short one. So I discovered, so Siri is completely useless if you own a Mac or an iPhone. (laughs) She just like doesn't work and it's super annoying. But I'm somebody who's very scatterbrained to like being able to set a quick reminder or a timer for something goes a really, really long way. But I don't want to talk to my Mac. And so there's actually a little, if you go to accessibility and you click on Siri, you can check a box that says enable type to Siri. And so Mm. it's super nice because now I can put that, click that useless Siri thing and like type a reminder real quick or add a note real quick or like do something really quickly. And like, I know it's going to hear me correctly because I typed it. And if I'm like in a coworking space or a coffee shop, I don't have to like talk to it. And I can get that thing that's like bothering me as I'm trying to refactor code, like out of my brain somewhere really quickly without having to change context or open an app or my to-do app or whatever. So it's like, you know, as I'm typing, I got to realize, oh, I need dog food to get home. I can be like, remind me in 20 minutes to get dog food and like get it out of my brain. But at the same time, like I don't have to talk to Siri. So it's just a super useful tip I found. I've been using it a ton. Cool. Okay, cool. I actually have a pick too. And I, I right, want to, I it. might as well say it because I had yeah. it written down here and this will be a nice end to our chapter and this recording. But my pick is, okay. So as I, I think I mentioned in the last episode is I have to learn like TypeScript and GraphQL for this upcoming project at Open Listings. 
And so I've been like scrambling around and uh, like for resources to learn TypeScript. And, you know, for some people, you can just like read documentation and like completely absorb everything. But I'm more of like a visual learner. So like watching videos is very like I'm, a, I'm very visual and like, uh, yeah, I'm very visual. So like I have to watch a video and then apply it and then like play around with code myself mm -hmm. to like be able to fully understand stick, things. Yeah. And my boss sent me this link. It's um, scrimba.com slash g slash g intro to TypeScript. And it's this really cool resource that they have a bunch of other videos too. It's not just TypeScript. But for this course in particular, it was really cool because it's a guy who has these little short videos, maybe like two to three minutes long. And it goes through like basically all the things you would learn in the documentation of TypeScript. But the cool part is, is at any point, you can click into the video and it becomes like a code editor. So you can like run the code that he's talking about. So the format is, is it's a video and it's this dude who's talking about like things about TypeScript. So imagine we're talking about like basic variables and how you can declare types. The video itself is just a code editor and he's like walking through and he's typing and you can see his cursor moving around and all this and that and it's cool. But at any point, if you're like, oh, I want to actually run this code myself or I want to see, I, I just want to get that into my muscle memory of writing a variable, declaring a type and assigning it to an array or something like that. Sure. Um, you can actually just like go into the code editor, into the video, click on it and like the video pauses and you can like type code and run this code. This is so cool. And and it's so cool. And then so like, and then you press play and then all of your code erases and it just resumes with the video as if you had like, you have your own REPL in real time yeah, with all the code that he's so written. Yeah, this is so crazy. Yeah, it's so cool. It's like an amazing concept. Like this is like such a cool way of learning because you can watch the video you can like, you don't have to like open up another tab, open up a REPL, open up Node, open up IRB. Um, imagine if you're learning Ruby or something like that. Yeah. And then like do all this stuff. You can literally just like run the code right there and then like press play to resume. And I don't know, my mind was like, I don't yeah, know. This I still have like really mixed cool. feelings about TypeScript, but this, like this course, this video series, I was like, this is cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome, man. Yeah, the possibilities are like endless. Imagine all the other cool things you could learn if you had like this kind of format, especially totally. for like learning how to code. Yeah, but, yeah I that's love my it. pick. It's super cool. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next episode. See ya.